But right now, so much is changing. I think the answer of what we need to be doing is just not there yet. I think there's like a lot of listening and checking things out and hoping to to figure out how our readers and listeners are are using the platforms. Welcome to It's All Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell, here with another podcast about digital news and talking to people who are involved in in creating digital news or in in the industry. And in the studio with me, on her way out of town, is um, Natalie de Blasio of uh, USA Today. Welcome, Natalie. Thanks for having me. So you really are on your way out of town. Yes, my car is packed and my keys to my apartment are turned in. And after I leave here, I'm driving to my family. And you're going to see your family and then you're going to head off to San Francisco. Yes. Now, you've been at USA Today for how long? Well, I was at USA Today for about three years. And then I took about a year to run a running publication. And then I just got back to USA Today about a month ago. Okay. And you're a digital editor there. I was a breaking news reporter at first. And now this... Second time back, I'm a digital editor. And and that job is moving to the West Coast? Right. The job itself was in San Francisco when I took it. I've just spent the last month or so here training with our team here. Our mobile social team is what we call it. We've got this particular group at USA Today that really focuses on making sure that all of the work succeeds on mobile platforms like tablet and your cell phone and social. So Facebook and Twitter and Periscope and everything that's being invented as we're talking. So let's talk, since you mentioned that, let's talk about that first. Where, where do you see things right now? Uh, you know, what, what is it that we need to be doing as digital journalists? Well, there's so much and it's so interesting and awesome to watch. But I found that one thing I'm really trying to do right now is on top of chatting on all of these different apps that are coming up is doing a lot of listening and figuring out how the audience is using different platforms to communicate with themselves and to share news and also trying to figure out you know who is successful in reaching audiences in different places. One of my favorites right now is Periscope, which is again that video live streaming app and you can search by handle or by location and see where something's happening. Um, I'm really interested in that and trying to figure out how we can use that for better storytelling. Um, But right now, so much is changing. I think the answer of what we need to be doing is just not there yet. I think there's like a lot of listening and checking things out and hoping to to figure out how our readers and listeners are are using the platforms. Have have you done much Periscope? Yeah, well, a whole lot of watching Periscope. I decided for one weekend I was going to open. I set alerts (laughs) to make everything near me pop up. And I watched every Periscope that popped up for an entire weekend, which was cool. It gave me an idea of what people are doing and what they're not doing well. And a lot of stuff on Periscope that's not all that well done is doing really well on the platform. So I feel like there's a lot of room to master Periscope and have it really take off. Now, were you looking at just just Periscopes uh, or were you looking at Periscopes by people who are in, in media? Both. Anything. I was looking at, I was just trying to figure out who was using it. And and I thought if I only looked at how the media is using it, I would miss out on a, another way that we could do storytelling. Because I'm only, th- if I just think about Periscope, how we can use it for a story, I might be limited to thinking about interviewing the reporter or interviewing an expert or maybe even like taking a tour of a place where a story takes place. But there are other things that people are doing, too, demos on how to do things, just recording funny moments, um, debates between people that aren't even in the media, just about the news. So I think seeing everyday people use social the way that they want to use it helps us as journalists figure out innovative ways that we could use it, too. 
Right. Yeah. And I think that's – Periscope especially is a really great example of it where, you know, as a journalist, you're kind of thinking, oh, I'm a journalist. I know how to communicate with people. I know what makes a good story. But if you don't really get have an understanding of the way people are using it and the, way pe- and the things that people are interested in when they see it. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned this in the podcast before. I, I one weekend I was I was going through Periscope and looking at things, and I ended up watching uh, a pig race in in Alabama. <laughs> and it wasn't a journalist who done it; it was just somebody who happened to be there. And it was sort of an event. And I wouldn't have watched a pig race normally, but it was like, oh, this is interesting. It's sort of the immersive moment. And then, you know, how does that? How do you figure that into, you know, your storytelling? And you know, is that something that you, know, you go out in the field to cover a, an event that you you know, that the reporter goes and does that? Or or do you go out and try to pull in elements of other people periscoping and, and incorporate them with, what you're, with your own storytelling? Well, for, I think it's kind of a mix of all of that. If I'm out reporting a story or if I'm speaking with a reporter who's out doing a story, you know, you want to be able to produce as much content as you can on your own so that, you know, you can own it and your paper can, can right, own right. it. Um, but sometimes there are just vantage points that are out there that are too good to pass up. Sometimes that's, you know, embedding someone else's periscope or sharing someone else's periscope because really the the ultimate goal is making sure that the audience has the best stuff possible and you hope that you can provide it. But a lot of times we're curators of other people's social feeds that are not even journalists to try to get the best story that we can. And there were a lot of social media posts that came out of Paris that ended up just telling the story better than a journalist could have because it was a real person really in the moment expressing honest fears or, yeah. in, you know, concerns. Yeah. And I think Paris is a great example of, you know, I was watching it on social media as so I was watching it on TV and I was partly frustrated with the TV coverage you know, I I actually admired a lot of what they were doing. The the, the fact that they had people that they found journalists who were there. Uh, I I don't know if it was CNN or CNBC that they had somebody who actually was there on a story, a completely different story, and then suddenly was sort of drawn in and sort of became the point person for for the uh, the story. And it was interesting, but then it was kind of limited by where they could get their camera. But, you know, at the same time, I'm looking at social media and you just there's this video from all over, you know, Paris of people reacting and of, you know, uh, police cars in the street and everything. And it just sort of gave a, a much a much broader sort of picture of what's going on, a broader experience as, as just a viewer. You know, I always see things like that as sort of challenges for us in, in, in journalism is, you know, recognizing, obviously, that there are some things that sort of as they break, it's difficult for us. To, to, to jump too far ahead because we want to make sure that we uh, verify everything, that we're not just passing on, hey, this is a cool image mm-hmm. that really doesn't have anything to do with it. Or was Photoshopped from 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think, I think it, you know, that's in, in those breaking news situations, that's that's kind of where it's important for us to, you know, that's what our role is. Yeah, and it can be a really big challenge, too. I'm thinking particularly about Paris and in the USA Today newsroom. We've got this spot we call it the hub, and it's a, a desk a giant desk where a lot of people sit around, all different kinds of people, like our photo editor, a video editor will be there, breaking news, a money editor might be there. Everyone kind of tosses ideas back and forth. And we've got a big TV, and we were all sitting in there when the Paris attack started. And I think they started around maybe 4.30. But there were a lot of questions still. We weren't quite sure what the story would be. And then we got our first URLs out around maybe 5 or so. And more stories were coming because of 
more stories on top of just the main bar were popping up because of what we were seeing on social media. And everyone in this entire room is watching videos pop up and photos pop up and rumors pop up. And all you need to do is click retweet. And if you're not a journalist, I think you're a little more likely to just hit retweet on something that seems newsworthy without checking. And there was something with the the French president having a stroke that came right. up, and um, which of course wasn't true. And But all of a sudden it pops up on all of our computers, alerts that it's going viral, this tweet, and four other things at the same time. You know, this video that appears to show the, like, the booms at the soccer stadium. So all at once we maybe get six things that could be news stories in themselves, and then we just kind of need to work together as a team to figure out which of these is most likely true, how do we need to verify it, who's taking what, and and um, that's one thing that excites me, that the cha- that differentiates breaking news from just regular news reporting. Um, when you get a story that you want to work on for a while, you really dig your teeth in, and that can be exciting, but breaking news is just like all hands on deck. Every single platform that might be useful needs to be used. Someone needs to be watching Twitter. Is anything on Periscope? Is anything on Yik Yak? I mean, it's almost like anything that we can think of that exists, we need someone to check it. And it's a real team-oriented moment, and there's a lot on the line because we want news out quickly, but of course it needs to all be accurate. And if everything's coming in from all these social channels that haven't been vetted at all for truth, it's a lot of work and it needs to be done quickly. So. Yeah, and, and that's really where our role is in this. I mm-hmm. mean, some people might fault the media for not, like, you know, jumping on one aspect of a story as quickly as others. But, it, you know, our role is we're, we're the we're the person in the crowd that people come to, to to say, is this real? Is this what really happened? And we, we have to take that extra effort to make sure that's going on. And I'm glad you brought up uh, breaking news because I did want to ask you about your experience as a breaking news uh, reporter at uh, USA Today, how that is different than just covering a normal story. Yeah. Well, I think one thing about the newsroom now um, is because every, so many people are coming to the website even if you're not a breaking news reporter, a little bit of everyone's job is a little bit more breaking news than I think it used to be because stories constantly need to be updated. And if you make a beautiful package for print and then a detail changes, that needs to be updated online immediately, you know. Um, so for me, what I really love about the breaking news team at USA Today is that everyone is is trying to use all the tools they can to tell a story. So they might be writing their story online, sending feeds to someone else who can update it while they're in the fee- um, in the field shooting video on their iPhone. I remember there was um, a breaking news story that I covered on the National Mall. And I went to the story. I wrote my setup. It published in the morning, maybe around 7 a.m. And I was sending feeds into a rewrite reporter who was making sure that my story was updated all day. While my story was being updated and I was still at this event, I was shooting and editing video on my iPhone and sending the video up to the newsroom to be put onto the story. And I was live tweeting and live social mediaing every way that I could during this. So I've got a story online, a video that's being edited and shot on my iPhone, social media that's happening. And then like the day is over and I need to get back because I have to write my story then for print that night. So being on the breaking news team really meant that I needed to think of so many different audiences for my story. Who's going to only see my social media? Who's only going to see my tweets? Who's only going to see what I put on Facebook? Who will only read the print version tomorrow? Who's reading my story now? Who read it 10 minutes ago? And it's a lot to have going on. on, And as newsrooms are shrinking, 
everyone needs to take on more of these responsibilities. And in a breaking news setting, to be writing a story and shooting and editing a video and putting it on social and everything needs to be accurate, you really rely on um, you know, your team back in the newsroom and really making sure that you learn your publication standards and know how on the fly to fact check and make sure if someone says something, which official accounts do you need to make sure are sharing that so that it's not just a fake account tweeting something. I don't know if that answers your question, but no, it's just like I mean, a whirlwind. It is. No, and it, 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 you you started out by saying that it, this is something that we all kind of have to do. And it is true, especially if, I mean, almost every publication or every news outlet is somehow connected with an online presence. And, and that requires, you know, if you want to own your piece of real estate, whatever your your particular area of coverage is, you've got to be able to, you know, if something breaks, to, to be able to provide something to people who come to your website and, oh, I, I just heard or I saw this on Twitter, what is it you guys have? Or even being out there on Twitter or, or on Facebook or whatever and getting those updates out there. And so that, and then, then, you know, you as the reporter, I mean, your job is, you know, you're, you're technically covering one story, but you're, you're covering that story in multiple different platforms. Uh, throughout the day, and that's changing. As you change one, you got to go back and change the other. It, it's like it's not necessarily that you're writing a lot of different pla- a lot of different stories. You're writing one story, but you're you're repurposing it in multiple different ways to be consumed in in multiple different ways. Because yeah. you again bringing your your content where your your audience is. And sometimes some stories relate to one platform more than another. And one thing we're trying to think about at USA Today is something happens. What's the best way to tell this story? Does it need to be a story and a video and a gallery? Or would this be best with just a Facebook post? Or could a gallery tell this entire story? And, um, you know, it's interesting as we're trying to figure out what the audience wants and we're able to track that with clicks and how long someone is viewing something. It's giving us some great insight and, and we're able to tweak what we're providing for really what people are asking. But, yeah, there's I mean, there's a lot of different platforms and they all have different people on them and they all exist for for different reasons and it's a really exciting time to be trying to figure out how to get information to the public which is exciting about my job i my job is to kind of look at everything our publication is doing and try to figure out how to get it out onto all these platforms to make sure that the consumer is the most educated that they can be but from a reporter's standpoint it's a whole different ball game, just trying to figure out where do you want to brand yourself and where do you want to put your personality on all these platforms. And I think that, um, you know, a, a lot of reporters are trying to do everything. And, you know, I think a good question for them to ask themselves is should you try to have a presence on every platform or really succeed on on one or two? And what platforms do you think you do better on? I really like Twitter. Um, I'm a really... I'm a big fan of it. I just think it's a great way to get information out quickly and you can, you know, have images. And now that you can quote other people's tweets, it's a great thing, too. And it's just so easy to share what someone else says. So I love that. Um, I use Facebook personally and I'm trying to use it a little bit more professionally, but I just haven't used the platform that way a lot. So I'm I'm trying to adapt there. But another one that I think is a little bit undersold right now is LinkedIn Mm -hmm. because I think that there is a really great way that we could be using it that we're not quite using it yet, which is there are these LinkedIn groups and the people that are your audience on LinkedIn are really – they're really focused on why they're there. You know, They're there because they want to better themselves for a job or better themselves professionally. 
And I almost wonder if there's like a way to have groups on LinkedIn where people could share theme specific news that would really target an audience that would be highly engaged. So that one's interesting to me. But yeah, yeah I know. It, it, and it's weird. I, I, I share many of the same sort of experiences that you've had with with the various social media plat- platforms. I, I enjoy doing Twitter. And when I'm out covering things, I, I like using it a lot. Facebook, certainly see the value of it, especially if you're you're trying to get clicks to your website. Facebook, when it works correctly, it, it can be really powerful for, for translating your audience to, to or getting them onto your, to your content. I've actually, as far as like engagement goes for the podcast, you know, we, we push it out on Facebook and, and Twitter, but I, I get most of the engagement through, through LinkedIn, strangely. Really? Uh, and it's uh, maybe it's not too... professional development. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. It, it, you know, we, we, we send it to uh, like journalism groups and, and they, they, I get a lot of comments, relatively speaking, a lot of comments <laughs> uh, on LinkedIn that I don't get in, in the other platforms. And, you know, again, I think it's just, as you were saying, I think people use it in a, in a, in a slightly different way. You, you talk very quickly. I'm you, sorry. You no, that's fine. That. No, that's fine. That's okay. And the reason I, this is my transition. You told me you ran five marathons this year. I did. Well, that was just or, this fall. This I think fall. I did eight this year. Why? Yeah, I know. That's, Why? That is a funny question. Um, actually, my, my running partner sat across from me at USA Today, and we decided to try to train for a half marathon and we did and we loved it and then we figured we're already halfway there why don't we keep training for yeah, a marathon? what are you afraid of it turns out a half marathon is just barely halfway there when it comes to a full marathon and it it just takes so much more and it's so much more exhausting but we we did one and loved it and just kind of kept going and then some other opportunities came up for me to run them in really cool places i just did i did berlin this year and it was wonderful and it wasn't until so I've done thirteen total, and it wasn't until this last one that I finished. And I thought maybe I'll take a break from, from these. At, things. Where was that one at? The last one was in Richmond, uh, uh, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And, and and you you said before that you sort of you had broken away from the uh, USA Today to to do a, a running magazine. Did that sort of come out of this running? Yeah. So I've I've always loved to run. I joined the community track club in second grade, and I've just kind of kept up with it since. And what what's great for me is that I am. I have like a really busy mind and I'm always thinking about something and I don't really like downtime. But that means by the end of my day, my brain is totally fried and I'll still be wired with all this energy. So I, through high school and college, just kind of turned to running to try to let my body catch up to my mind at the end of the day. (laughs) Um, And then once I moved to Washington, I started to realize like everything that kept me busy, maybe when I was in college, all these clubs I was a part of, and I had some jobs and I ran the student newspaper and had a full course load. All that stuff was gone and I really needed to fill my life with community things. So I became a member of the American Newswoman's Club and then grew to be the president of that and needed some more to fill my time. So I just started really seriously training and, um, that training, I kind of got in shape for one marathon and then just kept the training up for two years. Just always, I would take you know dips between the seasons and build back up my mileage. Um, but that amounted to 13 marathons in less than two years, which was maybe not the smartest plan. <laughs> what did you? What did you? What did you learn from uh, from that experience of doing those 13? You know, there's something really funny about the marathon it's a have you ever done one no okay so it's it's really far 
And so it's 26.2 miles for everyone that doesn't know. Um, And the marathon itself, it takes a while to run, but the training is really tough too. You're supposed to do long runs every week. And then my training partner and I did three 22 mile long runs before our race. And it's a lot of training and it's a lot of time to be away from everything. And it's a lot of time to reflect. And I think because my running partner and I both work in the same newsroom, it's a lot of time to just like really go through the news and and not just like what's happening and what do you think is going to happen next in the news, but just really think about how it's affecting you. I um, One of my jobs at USA Today was after the um, Aurora Theater shooting, we had a list of all of the survivors and we wanted to reach out to every one of them. And there were like 70 of them or like a high number like that. And we contacted them all and basically what we said was we are doing like a package showcasing you guys whatever you want us if you don't want to say anything that's fine if you have a story you want to tell we'd love to hear it like if you just want to tell us about your experience just kind of we're if you want to talk you can and surprisingly almost everyone I got a hold of really wanted to talk and it was just a really emotional story for me to cover and I'm not sure why it hit me more than the others but um but I was talking to people that survived for maybe two weeks this was my my all I was coming to work and doing was calling them and setting up interviews and hearing their stories and helping them figure out what stories they wanted to tell and figure out what we could ask and by the end of the day I was just like going home in tears like totally exhausted and it wasn't until I was able to put in a couple long runs to really just like work through why it was so hard for me to do this reporting and I think reporters have a hard time sometimes calling victims families and I know that the public likes to say like how dare you call them but um but what I found was these people really wanted to to talk to me and they wanted to to talk to USA Today and tell the paper what was happening so that the public could know and I think I realized this giant sense of responsibility being a reporter to help these people whose lives were just shattered have a voice and and that's why I got into journalism in the first place but it's just like it was just something that I think would have taken a lot longer for me to come to terms with if I didn't have these long periods of being with my own brain out there <laughs> doing a lot of thinking so yeah. I guess that's my lesson I don't know well no and and that's a that's a really great lesson and, and I know that you know, it is it is one of the hardest things that we do is when we, we have to deal with uh, people whose family members have died, especially in a, in a tragic situation. And it's part of our job is to cover those stories and, and to talk to people who are in, you know, incredible emotional and mental pain. But, you know, more often than not, you know, the more t- stories like that you do, you find that that people, you know, our role, you know, even though we have a news person's role to, to gather information – we're, we're almost kind of part of the grieving process for people. And, you know, part of that maybe social process of you know, processing this information, um, helping the victims and the families deal with it, but also helping, you know, the society sort of to deal with it. I mean, mm-hmm. we have a role in there. And people are always, you know, are going to criticize journalists always for being, you know, harpies and, and vultures and, and whatnot. But, you know, it's it's a very serious part of what we do. And, you know, I used to be a newspaper editor and I would send people out on, uh, you know, the high school, you know, a student who died in a in a car accident. You know, you have to go talk to the family members. And, you know, 
almost 100 percent of those 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 family members would would open up because they needed to open up. Yeah. And they wanted they wanted to tell the story of the person who who had gone. And you also just never know what kind of connections you'll make for a person because there was one family that had lost someone in the Aurora Theater shooting. And when I talked to them, they were foreign and English wasn't their first language, Mm -hmm. but they were able to talk with me. And this one guy said, look, I hear about all this money that's pouring in for the victims, but like I have no idea how to get it. Like I don't under, I, I can't follow what everyone is saying. I'm not on these social media platforms and you know, I was able to tell him what it was that I knew. And I think had people not reached out to see if he had anything to say, which was that I need help and I have no idea where to get it. I don't know. I don't know how he would have yeah. made the connection. It just it's I, th- I do think that people don't realize how often these families want to talk. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's and, and I know that there was, you know, quote unquote, well-meaning po- politicians in, in Virginia, for example, who were trying to pass legislation to keep reporters away from families and situations like that, failing to understand, well, A, it's a First, First Amendment, Amendment thing, but but also <laughs> that we do have a role in here. And it's not, again, not that we, we want to, you know, you know, put ourselves in a, a situation, but, you know, that's something we have to do. But something as you touched on is, that, you know, is the, the emotional toil or toil, toll, toll. <laughs> the emotional toll that's on uh, reporters uh, and not, not in, in stories like this, uh, covering hard news, you know. We know of people who come out of uh, covering war zones with uh, PTSD. Just, you know, they weren't necessarily involved in a shooting or whatever, but they were exposed to a lot of the uh, the violence vicariously. Uh, and, and that can have a toll. Yeah. Know, just one of those things. And I wonder if it puts us to, you know, on right now with everything that's happened in Paris and threats of attacks other places, um, you know, I wonder journalists that are covering these stories all day like i i almost wonder i wonder if you could tap into their brain what a police siren in dc sounds like to them versus someone who is just reading the news right. more passively it's just it changes your perspective and you're you're constantly in tune i mean I, I love my job and I wake up and I check the news and I'm off mm-hmm. today. And there have been like five things I've read that make me wish that I was at work because journalists love to tell the story and be a part of making sure that information is out there. Um, but when it's a big, heavy story, that's, you know, a high level of engagement for a really long time about something really rough. Right. Yeah. And how do you how do you how do you emotionally deal with that? How do you, you know, process it so that you can, you know, move on and, and continue on and do your job? Um, you mentioned that you were the president of the what is American it? Newsman's Club. Okay, and, and so what? What does that club do? So that um, and what was your experience there? So that club is a. It was founded in 1932 when women weren't allowed in the National Press Club. So it was a, a big club then, and now of course women are allowed in the National Press Club. Um, but this club is still around, and it, it's smaller, but it still has a lot of great speakers come and some trainings for journalists of all age, people that are even retired, even maybe public relations type folks can come in. It's just a smaller, more intimate setting. And it was really great for me to have a club that I could really try to have a big role in when I first start moved here and really needed to fill my time, like I was telling you earlier. So the goal of that club is to empower women in journalism and to provide great events that people can come and hear from speakers. But 
it doesn't fill that that role anymore of a place women can't go anywhere. And now it's just another club, and of course, men can join too. Okay. Well, <laughs> what's the, what's the perspective of of uh, the women in that and that um, club to where sort of journalism is at now, or our, our industry is at? You know, it's it's interesting. It's um, it's I'd say the energy of the club is excited to see where things are going, but the members of that club because they joined. A lot of them back when women, there is a a big older demographic. Um, It's been really cool to go in and tell them about my job. And they have a lot to say about how things used to go. And I think there are some fears that digital journalism will weigh on integrity of the news. Might Maybe things being turned around quickly might dilute the the reporting. I don't think that that's necessarily Mm -hmm. true, but I think that that's just... That is one mindset of of that club, and then the other is a lot of excitement for things that are things that are coming. So there's there's these two groups in the club, and there's so much great communication going on between them, and it's it really helped someone like me who's younger in the industry get an idea of what my peers are doing that is exciting, and also what these people who have a ton of experience in the industry and are seeing some changes, some that are great, some that aren't so great, what their fears are, and it helps me as hopefully a, like a leader in my own newsroom, be able to make decisions that takes the best of both worlds into account. So tell me about your experience with the, uh, the running, it was a running magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's is an online, it online magazine, yeah. but you, you, you ran it or you, yeah, or you so, uh, launched it. Yeah, it was, well, it was, it was launched and I was brought on to just be in charge of the editorial side of things to craft a vision for it. We had a, had a great staff that was brainstorming stories but didn't have a giant journalism background or even a few years in journalism. And my role was kind of to come and look at what we had, look at what the audience needed, create like a style guide and an editorial process, try to figure out what kind of stories would resonate with our audience, what kind of standards we needed. And it was a big job, and I was in charge of all these different areas from budgeting to making sure we had a social media strategy to determining just our style and what we wanted to write about, how we wanted to handle different writers, what topics we wanted to to write on, which publications we wanted to compete with and which we kind of didn't want to do. We found our audience really wasn't interested in the elite aspect of the sport and they were more interested in the health aspect of it. So it was it was really a great experience to try to go and look at this topic that I love so much and figure out how to reach to reach people. It was really great. It was great, but um, I really missed news. Okay. And I was just going to ask you the the sort of the different experience of being, you know, I guess being all on one subject as opposed to being, mm-hmm. you know, you really need <laughs> a little to, on right. everything. You need to love your subject if you're going to be all on that subject. And the thing that I think was tough for me about um, about one topic that really wasn't hard news is that at the end of the day, if I had everything scheduled to go and I knew that the publication was set, the night I could spend my night worrying about it. But what I'd be worrying about is where should we go in the future? I wasn't up stressed about what news could have happened or what could have changed. And to me, I love that energy. I love constantly being tuned into the world and trying to figure out what's happening. And I love the overwhelmingness of it and trying to follow on all the platforms and with a special interest that wasn't breaking news, I found 
this peacefulness that was a little bit unsettling <laughs> to me, actually. You, you needed you needed the the uh, the craziness of of, of, the, of the new the daily the breaking news and everything, yeah. which I guess you ended up back at, at USA Today. Now you're off to San Francisco mm-hmm. to to be a digital editor there. Yes. So what are you hoping to accomplish out there? So we have just such an awesome tech team out in San Francisco, and my main job as part of this social mobile team is to really optimize. USA Today for all things digital. So what I want to do is be a key part of this bureau, the San Francisco Bureau, and look at all the great reporting we have and all the great resources that we've got. And of course, the Tech Hub is in San Francisco, so that's the focus of those reporters. And try to figure out how we can take our work and make sure that it is getting the most eyes possible. Make sure that each reporter understands which social media platform might be the best for their particular strengths, making sure that stories that we have an exclusive on that might be coming up or an event that's coming up, that I'm working with those reporters to brainstorm, does this need some kind of special treatment on tablet or on our phones or on any, is this a great opportunity to bring someone to Periscope or anything like that? So my focus is going to be to make sure that none of our great work is overlooked. And also to try to be another set of eyes, which we everyone needs, you know, more hands on deck right now, but to make sure that we're not missing any stories that are really um, digital first stories or social first stories that have captured an audience that that we would miss if we weren't turned into social media, tuned into social media at the time that they were, you know, blowing up. So, I mean, USA Today is a pretty big brand. And um, obviously, traditionally comes from a newspaper. Um, are, are you finding your readers um, on all these different platforms? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, there are still people still love the newspaper, but there are pe- there are different audiences on all of the platforms, and I think that they're ju- the readership is just growing. And, and that's as we watch what people like and what they don't like, and figure out how we can cater news toward different people and constantly updating our apps to make sure that they're the most easy to manage and also give you the experience that you're looking for. I mean, a big chunk of a big chunk of traffic for breaking news stories will come from people that will click on our breaking news alerts. So making sure that we're able to cater which kind of alerts you want to come to your devices. I think it's constantly evolving as we get more tools and more information about our audience, but our audience is there on all these platforms, and we're finding more and more ways to reach them every day. How you, how are you tracking them through analytics? Through mm-hmm. yeah, analytics yeah. and a whole you know a whole, a whole bunch of different suite kinds of stuff. Of, exactly. Yeah, and it's challenging. Yeah, <laughs> it is because. But what what I well, the thing that you said in there that I like is you said the the off that you're you're finding different audiences in different places, mm-hmm. and, and that's I mean that's kind of key at this point is that is understanding that the news that you're writing about, the news that you're reporting, is going to be consumed in so many different ways. Yeah. And so how can you optimize on each of those platforms sort right. of for your greater success? And you'll hear in the newsroom uh, a news story will happen and someone will be like, oh, a, a great sidebar for that might be you know, a gallery of like what we did in um, after Paris – a side story was a gallery of all the front pages for the next day. And you'll hear someone pipe up, that'll be great for tablet, or we should definitely share this on you know, our Instagram. Or um, There are a lot of minds in the newsroom that are realizing the importance of digital. And I mean, every mind right now in, in the <laughs> newsroom. Um, but it's 
people are all, lots of people are looking out for all of the different platforms. So in our morning meetings, you'll hear someone talk about a story and then there's eight people that, that comment on how that story could be tweaked or optimized for a different platform. And then everyone takes it and runs with it. Cool. Cool. Well, this is this has been really fascinating, and, and I wish you a lot of luck in San Francisco. You sound like you're you're excited about going out there. I am excited. I'm well, really excited. Bags are packed. Bags are packed. Well, good. And thank you for stopping by uh, on your way out of, out of town before Thanksgiving, before you head off on your grand adventure on the West Coast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also download episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at All Journalism. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.